hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. What we're trying to do is we want to lift your faith to believe that God can do miracles for people in your life. So in particular, we want to use this series to encourage us to pray for other people who don't know God, that he would come through in miraculous ways for them. And I want you to start thinking even now about those people in your life and what miraculous thing God could do for them. Because miracles, they come in many forms. Sometimes it's healing. Could be peace from anxiety, freedom from addiction, a broken relationship that's made whole again. That's a miracle. Financial problems that are resolved, mental health, or getting that job that they really want and need to get. And we can't wait to hear the stories from among us who say, look, I was scared. I didn't know what I was going to say or what I was going to do, but I saw a need in someone else's life, and I lifted my faith level to the extent where I reached out and said, can I pray for you and ask God to do a miracle in your life? That's what we're about here. I remember one time I was at this uh, massive youth event. There were about 9,000 people all camping together and then having meetings in a big top. And one of the sessions was about this thing of miracles. And after coaching us how to pray for people, the speaker said, hey, now what I want you to do is I want you to do this. Find someone in your group who needs God to come through in some way for them and pray for them. We had a girl who came with us who said, look, I've got a problem I've had since birth. She said, my hips when I was born weren't aligned the same way that most people's are. So instead of my feet facing forward, they face outwards just a little bit, and it hurts if I do this, if I put my feet forward. So we said, okay, look, let's gather around and pray for this this girl. And as we did, this amazing, mighty thing happened. It just, she began to get better. And she said at the end, she said, look, you prayed and it's got a bit better, and we prayed again, and she said, by the end, she said, look, I can move my feet forward, and it doesn't hurt anymore the way that it used to. And as far as I know, at least most of that healing has continued to this day. It certainly continued after our time there at that camp. And this is the God that we believe in. He is the God of miracles. He does miracles all the time. And that is one of the purposes of our prayer. We long to worship him. We long to get to know him. And we long to see his power at work in the world. God can and does come through. Do you guys believe that tonight? Yeah, what we're trying to do is lift your faith for that. And we were at this meeting, and at the same time that we prayed for this girl, there was a guy there, and he was a performer. He loved to be on stage, but he had a massive problem, and it was a stutter. And I think that's a cruel word for someone who has a stutter. Try saying stutter if you have a stutter. It's just unbelievable. But he had this stutter, and we prayed for him as well. And we said, God, can you come through for him? And, and can I tell you, he stopped stuttering for about one hour. And then after one hour, he started stuttering again and has since. And we wondered, what's with that? How come one person was healed and the only person received a temporary healing? Or what about the others who were there that day? 
who weren't healed. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I prayed for miracles and they haven't happened. Has anyone ever had that experience? With some friends tonight, you've had an unanswered prayer. What is that all about? And so tonight, what we want to do is we want to talk about this topic of unanswered prayer. As we step forward in faith, I think it's something we need to discuss. So let's go on this journey together. Because life can be really tough sometimes. It might seem like there is no good reason for God to say no. What benefit could there be for my young person living with an embarrassing stutter? Or that person I prayed with who had cancer, who died? Or the person who's suffering in pain? Or those who are suffering from COVID right now, who I'm sure have had people pray for them? What is the deal with that? Well, there's this passage in Luke where Jesus is presented by the problem of suffering, and his response is really interesting. We read this in Luke chapter 13. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Really horrible, awful way to go. You're in your place of worship and you get murdered. Jesus says, do you think these, those Galileans, Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you that, again, that unless you repent, you will perish too. The people often ask, if God is so loving and powerful, why do we experience so much pain and suffering? And this is Jesus' chance to answer that question. And he doesn't, right? This was his moment. This was his opportunity. Okay, why do bad things happen? Why did they suffer? And he doesn't really answer the question. Instead, what we see is that Jesus actually accepts suffering is a reality. Jesus says their suffering is not because God is unhappy with them. It's not a result of their sin, nor does he indicate that it's a failure on God's part. It's one of those things that happens. You can almost hear him saying, we live in a broken world. Those people died because of Herod's evil and the workmen's mistakes. Things like this, sorry guys, things like this are going to happen. And this is the narrative of Scripture, that the world was created good, that we actually did have a world that was free of pain and suffering. That was the world that God intended for us. However, because of our sin and our rebellion, it led to the curse. It led to a broken world. And what we see now is death and destruction. And it's our reality, and one that means that there will be problems at times. COVID happens. Earthquakes kill. Mines explode. Gunmen rampage. Girlfriends break our hearts. That prophecy doesn't always come true. The person we pray for feels no different. That is the reality that we live in. And you go, well, what hope is there? And what good is God? You might be suffering right now and wondering, does God even care? If he could snap his fingers and change things, why would he not just do it? Where are you, God? In my suffering. Where are you 
when I need you the most? And I think the Christian answer to that, the Christian answer to that has always been to have a look right there. Where is God? God is on the cross. He embraced the world of suffering and everything that it meant. He experienced the evil of Herod and the brokenness of the Tower of Siloam. He felt the disappointment, the rejection, the physical pain. He asked questions too. Father, can you take this cup from me? No. Why have you forsaken me? He suffered too. He is with you in your suffering. Does not stop the heartache and the pain, but he will walk with you if you let him. Who better to walk with you than the man of sorrows? And as he does, he will bring something eternal and beautiful, even out of your darkest moments. In Luke 13, the message of Jesus seems to be expect tragedy. Bad things will happen, but they should not be your sole focus. See, we have this idea sometimes that uh, God just wants to make us happy. And if he would answer our prayers, then we could be happy. But Jesus didn't say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will make you happy. He did say, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But that's different. Pain is a part of our lives. But also, the Bible is very clear that it has a big purpose. Jesus is showing here that our temporary circumstances are actually not the important thing. The most important thing is what is God is doing in you through that suffering, which is what Paul re reflects in Romans chapter 5. He says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See, your eternal glory is far more important than the suffering you're facing right now. Let's remember that even though Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he still died. Miracles are temporary relief from a bigger problem. They're actually not the most important things in our lives. As a Christian, don't base your faith on miracles. This world is too broken for that. And when you pray for others, don't expect them to fall on their knees and repent. As people are touched by the power of God, it's actually supposed to be like a signpost to his reality. A miracle won't make someone a Christian, but we can then show them the way to the one who is making a difference in their life. A lot of people believe in a supernatural and unless we say, actually, that supernatural is a real living person, his name is Jesus, and not only can he solve your problems, but he can walk with you in your sorrows, only then will people see the reality of Christ. So listen, to tonight, I need you to know that when you come to Christ, it's not just about having everything fixed and solved. That's not what miracles are about, and that's why not all miracles are answered, because God is doing something bigger and deeper in that brokenness. So if the world is so broken, should we give up on this idea of miracles? No, not at all. Jesus says this, John 16, 33. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. There's that word peace again. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And we go, boo. 
But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And we go, yay. So which is it? Jesus, have you overcome the world and we can experience miracles? Or do we live in a world full of trials and sorrows? To which Jesus, Jesus would say, yes. Yes, I have overcome the world. And you can do amazing, mighty miracles in me. Also, yes, this world will have many trials and sorrows. Jesus' ministry, his death and resurrection, ushered in a new age, an age where heaven and earth collide, which is why I love this image here. I asked to use it tonight. I know it's kind of freaky, but at the same time, there's this idea of two worlds colliding. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't stay on the cross, but he died and he rose again. Those two worlds collided, and we see something of his kingdom coming now. An age where heaven and earth can be together. Check out this, this diagram that I think explains the world that we live in now. So we've got the present age and then the cross. And then we've got the age to come, which has been bought by Jesus. Jesus' victory means the way of his kingdom is already here right now. But do we see all of it? Not yet. So sometimes the world of sin and decay seems to be strong. Then at other times, the world of heaven is seen through God moving. The Apostle Paul says it this way. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. From 1 Corinthians 13. We push to see more of the way of heaven in our lives now. We need to remember that Jesus actually didn't heal everyone. There were still sick people that he did not heal. But we do know that God will come through. So we live in this tension of the now and the not yet. So what do we do with all of that? Ultimately, we have to trust God and trust that he knows what is best more than we do. Uh, when I walk my girls to school, we like to play games together. Sometimes it's I spy, sometimes it's would you rather. And they said to me the other day, Dad, let's play a game. You can choose. And I went, okay, uh, let's play If I Was God, I Would, which sounds very uh, sacrilegious, doesn't it? If I was God, I would. They thought it was a great idea. My five-year-old wanted uh, rainbow uh, ice blocks to fall from the sky for everyone. Wouldn't that be great? Rainbow ice blocks falling from the sky. And I said, well, I'd answer everybody's prayers. My eight-year-old looked at me and said, what? Even the people who prayed for the hills to be made out of candy? And I thought, well, if I answer everybody's prayers, I guess I have to. And she makes a good point. We actually don't often know what's best for us. Proverbs 16, verse 2 says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Uh, verse 2, not verse 12. Uh, but, sorry, I'm looking at the back screen. Uh, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. In other words, we think we know what's right, but when it comes down to it, do we really know what's best? I mean, a lot of our prayers are often in conflict with other people. Imagine if God answered every single prayer. Could you imagine what the weather would be like? In one house, it would be sunny all the time. Another one, it would be raining. In another one, there'd be snow coming down. It'd be... It'd be weird. And it's easy for us to judge God and say, God, why don't, why don't you answer that the way I thought you should? 
But could you imagine being God for a second? And I want to give you a glimpse into that world. Have you ever heard of the trolley problem? It's a classic uh, philosophical dilemma where you are on the side of the tracks. Imagine this. And there is a train out of control about to run over five workers. However, in front of you is a lever that will switch the train onto another track that will instead run over one worker. Those are your only two choices. Do you switch the train and actively kill one person, or do you do nothing and passively kill five people? Pretty tricky problem, isn't it? Uh, there's this well-known show called The Good Place. Now, The Good Place is not a Christian show, so I'm not here to promote it. Uh, though it, it does make you think, and I think inadvertently it displays why Christianity is such a solid belief system. And Jenna actually really reminds me of Deborah Shibasawa, but that's just a side. Um, I watched a, a sh- uh, that's a compliment, that's a cool character. I wanted to show a clip from the show, but, but it was just too bloody. It was just too much blood in it. Then Phil Park suggested that I just censor the bits that have blood in them. So we're going to watch a censored version of the trolley problem from The Good Place. Let's see if we can check that out. the trolley problem real so we can see how the ethics would actually play out. There are five workers on this track and one over there. Here are the levers to switch the tracks. Make a choice. The, the thing is, I mean, ethically speaking... No time, dude! Make a decision! Well, it's tricky! I mean, on the one hand, if you ascribe to a purely utilitarian worldview... Chidi? Talk it out, buddy. What are we thinking? He thinks he just killed a bunch of people with a trolley. It's just a simulation. I would never make you kill real people. Oh, well, that's reassuring, because some of the parts of the fake people flew into my mouth! Michael, can we just go back to the classroom? We never left. Here, I'll show you. Look, see, buddy? None of this was real. So, let's try again. Oh, I, I, I thought maybe we would have a discussion. No, the whole point is to play out the scenario in real time. Quick, Judy, what's your decision? Okay, okay, I can do this. I am choosing to switch tracks, so that way I only kill one person. Oh, forgot to tell you, this is the scenario where you actually know one of the people. It's your friend Henry there. Again, just a simulation, an almost impossibly lifelike simulation. Would someone's foot really fly off their body like that? That was kind of cool. Much better, right, without <laughs> showing you the gory bits. Yeah, okay, we got away with that? Or maybe. All right. <laughs> Here's the point. Making choices with their many flow-on effects is not an easy thing to do. We really don't know what is best in the short term, let alone the long term, let alone the myriad of different things that might happen if God was to say yes to our prayer the way that we wanted him to say yes to our prayer. We need to trust God that actually he knows what's best. Farmer and his son had a beloved horse who helped the family earn a living. One day the horse ran away and the neighbors exclaimed, your horse ran away, what terrible luck. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. A few days later the horse returned home, leading a few wild horses back to the farm as well. 
The neighbors shouted out, Your horse has returned and brought several horses home with him. What great luck! The farmer replied, Maybe so. Maybe not. Later that week, the farmer's son was trying to break one of the horses, and she threw him to the ground, breaking his leg. The neighbors cried, Your son broke his leg. What terrible luck! The farmer replied, Maybe so. Maybe not. A few weeks later, soldiers from the National Army marched through town, recruiting all the boys for the army. They did not take the farmer's son because he had a broken leg. The neighbors shouted, Your boy is spared. What tremendous luck. The farmer replied, Maybe so. Maybe not. We'll see. We need to be careful before we put God on trial. We don't know what he is doing or how it might all turn out. And maybe you're here tonight and you've had unanswered prayer. Or you've had prayer that seems to be delayed and being answered. And that's been a real stumbling block in your faith. I want to tell you tonight, God hasn't given up. Maybe just because he hasn't answered it the way that you wanted him to. Doesn't mean that he's not listening. God holds it all and we commit our prayers to him and keep on pushing through. So if we don't know that God will answer prayer, how can we believe he will do something in the lives of others if we pray? Well, this is where real faith comes in. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. This should be a formational scripture for you and me. The writer to the book of Hebrews encourages two things. One, believe that God exists. This is the beginning of faith, to believe that God is real. But it's just the beginning. Sadly, I think this is as far as many people go. They go, yes, there is a God. I believe he exists. That makes me a Christian. That makes, means that I have faith. The, the writer to the book of Hebrews would say, no, you've got to go further than that. It says the kind of faith that actually pleases God goes further. It says true faith says something about the nature of God. God not only exists, but he is good. He rewards those who sincerely seek him. Do you have faith enough amongst your confusion of unanswered prayer to believe that God is still good? Do you have faith that even though God didn't come through in the way that you wanted him to, you will still sincerely seek him? We need to keep praying for God to do a miracle, even though we pray 99 times and nothing happened. Why? Because God is a good God, and he wants to come through in some ways in the lives of people that we interact with. So Hebrews chapter 11 goes on to talk about the people of faith. It talks about how they made offerings how they were taken up to heaven, how they built an ark, how they left their home, believed God for miracles, and saw him come through in big, powerful ways. God is a God of miracles, and he will do them as we keep on praying. Listen to how Hebrews says it, Hebrews 11, verse 33. By faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions 
They quench the flames of fire, and they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. What an amazing God we serve. Isn't that inspiring? And I could say right here, let's go and pray and see God do mighty things in the people of our lives. The scripture doesn't end there. Verse 35. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Awesome. But others, and I want to tell you tonight, never forget the others. The others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. May we have the faith of the others. Not just the faith that sees God come through every time. May we, may we see that. But even when God doesn't come through, may we still continue to say, God, I believe you exist, and I will continue to always believe that you reward those who sincerely seek you. And so I'll never stop seeking you, even if I never see the results. May we have that faith deep down in our soul that in every moment, in every difficulty, we hang on to who God is and what he can do in us and through us. I remember having a conversation with a pastor that made a difference for me on this topic. He was talking about how awesome it was to see miracles, and it was his desire to see everybody he prayed for healed. And I was a little bit of an Eeyore, to be honest, and I put the other side to him. I went, well, yes, but don't forget the now and the not yet. We can't see everybody healed now. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with kingdom theology. I agree with the now and the not yet. That's true. He said, I just happen to believe that God wants to bring more of his goodness now than he wants us to live in pain and suffering. And what if, he said to me, what if we could experience 99% of God's kingdom now? He said, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I long to see. That's the faith I have when I pray for people. And that conversation changed things for me. And now every time I go and pray for someone, I don't, I don't go and go, God's definitely going to heal this person. I don't know the mind of God. But I know God is good. And I know that he wants to come through in this person's life. And so I step forward and know that there is a good chance that this person could be healed. And so that's what I'm praying for. That's the faith that I have. And I want us to have that faith as well. That even though we might see 99 times someone not healed, that we'll pray that 100th time and see God come through. Even when prayer isn't answered, even when we're struggling with the brokenness of this world, that we would have faith in the goodness of God and continue to press through. He can do it. He does do it. And I want to see that more. What about you? 
Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.